Hillbilly Horror Stories presents Eerie Encounters. This ghost sighting took place around 1900 in Leeds, which is in Yorkshire, England. It's not particularly scary, but it is true. I'll give you a bit of background on the area where the ghost sighting took place. That way you kind of get a feeling of the history of the location. The Builders Merchants, where the sighting took place, is located next to an old sandstone quarry that the Romans first quarried nearly 2,000 years ago. In the more recent past, during the Second World War, a prisoner of war camp for German and Italian prisoners was located right next door. And after the war, a camp was erected there to house displaced people from across the UK and Europe at the end of the war. So, as you can see, over the years the area has seen a wide variety of people. Anyway, to the story. My dad used to work for a local builder and timber merchants and money was tight. As a way to earn extra money, he used to open the yard in the morning and close it at night whilst working as a wagon driver during the day. This suited my old man as he got extra pay and it suited the employees as they had someone that they could trust and didn't have to fork out extra for a security guard. The yard was located at the top of the hill and commanded looks over the surrounding area. The buildings my dad had to open up in the yard were not particularly old, probably built in the late 1800s. For the UK, this isn't old really. The main office block was built in H-shape. It had long corridors with numerous offices located off the corridors. The building was two levels, ground and second floor. When my dad first started to perform these extra duties, we had to have a phone line installed in the house. Up until this point, we didn't have one. As soon as the phone line went in, my dad started receiving calls in the middle of the night from the police saying that the alarms had gone off. So as part of his duties, my old man would have to drive up to the yard, meet the police, and let them in to check the building just to make sure that there were no break-ins or intruders roaming about. This was quite a regular occurrence which used to piss off the local police quite a bit. More often than not, it was the same door that was found to be open which had triggered the alarm. The door was the door to the accountant's office where all the employees' pay tickets used to be stored. At the time, the workers used to receive their wages in a pay packet and not direct into the bank. This particular door was a big old English oak door, which was heavy as hell. I can still see it in my mind's eye. This door took some pushing to get open, so for it to open by itself through the night puzzled the police as well as my dad. On one particular night, the alarms had gone off again, My dad had to go meet the police, again. The police, used to this place by now, rather than traipse around the offices to look for intruders, would just unleash the police dog and let it roam through the building. On one particular night, the police dog went off into the building by itself. Around five minutes later, my dad and the police could hear the dog going absolutely crackers. At this point, the police thought an intruder was in the building, so they went running into the structure. A couple of minutes later, my dad went in and he found the police and the dog standing at the accounting office door. The dog was barking into an empty room. The dog was going nuts, but the police couldn't see what the dog was barking at. One of the policemen took hold of the dog's collar and tried to walk it into the room, but the dog would have none of that. The dog plainly wouldn't go into the room at all. The police officer went in by himself. He saw that there was no one in there, came out, made fun of the dog a little bit for not wanting to go in with him, and left my dad to close the office door and re-alarm the building. Well, a couple of weeks later, it's around Christmas time, and it's the office party season. 
there's one of these office guys working on the first floor of the office. This particular office was above the main meeting room. It was common knowledge that all the staff working late had to be out of the office by 7.30 p.m. That way my dad could lock the buildings and the yard up. At about 7.25, my dad goes up to see the man in the office to, to tell him that it's time to leave. When he gets there, he's having a chat with the man in the office. The man asks my dad if he has to work late because of the party that's going on in the office below. This puzzled my dad. He told the man that they were the only two left in the offices. The man said, no, there's a party downstairs. I've been listening to them laughing and joking and heard the music. Again, my old man told him that there was no one else in the building. The man started to get a little pissed off at the old man. He insisted that there was a party going on downstairs. At this point, my dad told the man to follow him downstairs to the meeting room. When he opened the door, it was pitch black inside. No one was in there and hadn't been for a few days. At this point, the man was not happy. He got a little bit freaked out and got out of there as quick as he possibly could. That was definitely not the only story that came from that building. Another story was from one of the cleaners who had been offered a job there by her late mother. She was cleaning one of the offices late one night and she heard her mother singing a song that she used to sing to her as a kid. It took her a split second to realize that her mom had died a few years earlier. This didn't freak her out though. It actually made her quite happy to think that her mom was still around. So that's a bit of background to the building. Now my story. My mother and dad divorced when I was 11 in 1989. My dad soon after met another lady. It just so happened that her son, who we will call Mark, went to school with me. He was actually in my class. Because we knew each other from school, we actually got along. Anyway, because of all the crazy stuff that had been happening at the building, my dad used to ask myself and Mark if we would like to go with him to help him lock up. This happened quite often, and we used to love going to the yard as there were some external buildings that housed some really old equipment that they used to use down in the mines and on the railways. For two young kids, it was great. We used to play in these old buildings in the yard, and we would find old paraffin lamps and old military uniforms that had been left over from the prisoner of war camp that used to be housed next door, and loads of other stuff that young lads would enjoy. One particular night, it was about 7.15 p.m., it was dark, and probably around January, Myself, Mark, and my cousin, who we shall call Paul, were at the yard with my dad. We were outside the main building waiting for my dad, who was still inside. We were chatting, then we all went completely quiet. I don't know why, but we did. We then all turned around to look in the opposite direction. Again, even now when we speak about this, we don't know why we did it, but we did. We all see a man about 15 meters away walking down towards us. I could still see him clear as day. He had ginger hair and a green and white checkered shirt. He was in full color, but really bright. The best way to explain it is the old TV sets where you had a little knob that you could turn for the brightness, and if you turned it a little too much, it was still in color, but overly bright. That's what the man looked like. He's walking towards us. Then he turns to his right and starts walking towards the building. He's not walking towards the entrance, though. He's walking towards the wall. Then he goes straight through the freaking wall. Now, myself, Mark, and Paul were all 12-year-old boys who thought we were brave. But I'll tell you what, 
that scared the crap out of us. So my dad comes out of the building. We tell him exactly what had happened and he thinks we're joking. Well, after a few seconds, he knows we're not joking and he puts us in the Land Rover and takes us home. After that, we didn't want to go to the yard with him anymore, so he used to just go by himself. About two months later, my dad gets home and he's white as a sheet and shaking like a crapping dog. He sits me down and he starts asking about the ginger-haired man that we had seen. It turns out that that particular night, my dad was locking up the building and as he's walking away, he sees someone through the window inside the building. Well, thinking he's locked someone in, he goes back, opens the door, walks through reception and at that point, the man walks past him. My dad, who is now only a couple of feet from him, asks him if he's by himself. The man doesn't stop walking, but turns and looks at my dad for a split second, turns his head back, and then continues walking down the corridor. Well, at this point, my old man, who's not known for having much patience, shouts at this bloke that this place is shut and he has to leave. The man just keeps walking. So my dad starts following him until he sees the man carry on walking to the end of the corridor and through the freaking wall. At this point, all bravery my dad had leaves him and he gets the hell out of the building. My dad described the man that he saw to me and it turns out the description is exactly the same. After that night, my dad stopped opening up and he stopped locking up at nights and just continued to be a wagon driver for the company. I've just mentioned a few of the stories from the building and the yard as there are literally dozens of sightings. The buildings are now gone and a new housing estate was built there in the early 2000s. The quarry was an old sandstone quarry, so I wonder if that had something to do with it. Over the years, I've had some crazy stuff happen to me whilst I was in the army, but that night will live with me until my dying day. I can still see it clear as day. I would love to know if any people in the new housing estate have experienced anything. That story is from Gary, a fire inspector in the UK. About seven or eight years ago, we arrived at a townhouse with a heavy fire from the first floor on side one. After making entry, locating the fire in the kitchen and extinguishing, we started taking out a few windows for some ventilation. After the smoke had risen, we noticed that the living area to the rear of the kitchen, which was on the right-hand side as we had entered, had taken significant smoke and heat damage. On the wall was a picture of Jesus Christ, and it was the only object in the room that appeared untouched. Even the wall behind the picture was smoke-stained and blistered. There was evidence of two streams of water that had trickled from the lower corners of the picture to a point in the middle of the wall where they met and continued to the floor. The odd thing was that the line had been pulled through this room and was flowing into the kitchen to push the fire out the front through a large vented window. No water had been flowing in that room and the stream produced had been pushed out the window. Even the FM was amazed and we haven't seen anything like that since. It kind of makes one wonder. Now, this definitely was not my first experience with the unusual. I worked for a department that had lost a few members in its time. Over the course of the first few months that I was there, I noticed strange noises in the bay. Once I walked to the front door only to hear the back door slam. 
I walked back to see who it was, and when I opened the back door, no one was there. There was fresh snow on the ground and absolutely no tracks. Another time, I went down to the bay in the middle of the night. I heard distinct footsteps walking around one of the rigs on the other side of the bay. I called out, but no one answered. I got spooked, and I crept around the bay with an axe trying to find the intruder. No one was there, though. I also got a really spooky feeling a few times when I was alone in the bay by the back door. Later, I happened to mention to the chief that I had heard some weird stuff in the station at night. He got a strange look on his face and said, Let me guess. Footsteps behind engine three and a creepy feeling by the back door. I got the same story from one of the captains about hearing footsteps and all that. I guess someone's still hanging around. I'm a firefighter in my community and have been since 2004. I'm the captain of my local volunteer department and a driver operator for the city just over the county line. That's the job that actually pays the bills. This story happened before I was a paid firefighter. I worked in Nashville and had to be up early to get to work on time as I lived nearly an hour away. Most times I would let the younger firefighters handle the calls that were after midnight. But if certain addresses came across dispatch, I wouldn't hesitate to make the run. This call came out at about 11.30 p.m. I saw the address on the dispatch and I cringed. People ask me all the time, what is the worst call that I've ever been on? I can tell you that some of the worst are the cancer patients. Like all healthcare workers, we want them to get better. We pray for them and we do our best, but cancer is a horrible beast. We watch the patient become sicker and sicker. We get to know the family and put them on our prayer lists. Despite all this, we can only do so much. In the latter stages, few make the runs. We are volunteers and humans can only take so much. I wish I could say that I've never left a patient knowing that they would die that day or that hour, but I would be lying. This was one of those cases. The address was to a lung cancer patient. A frequent flyer, a term wrongly used for these patients. I knew the son and the daughter, the wife and the caretaker. I couldn't just let this call go. So I responded, crossed fingers that the telltale signs weren't there. As with the volunteer service, I responded by myself with one other coming from our second station. I ran down a road that I knew all too well. My family had a farm on this road dating back to just after the Civil War. As I went past my cousin's house, I passed a car. I thought that it was odd to meet a car at this time of night on a back road, but many new families have moved into the area. Something told me to look in the mirror. Now this was odd because the apparatus that I was in had a hose reel that blocked the rearview mirror, but I looked anyway. In the back seat, I saw a human-like form only in shadow. Where its head should be, was only something that looked like tentacles. I slammed on the brakes and I turned to look in the back seat. There was only a box of gloves. Needless to say, I was pretty shaken. The ambulance and two other members showed up first on the scene, so I didn't have to do the patient care. The encounter bothers me to this day. 
a little family history. There's an old cemetery in that very spot where I had the encounter. This was also where the gate to my family farm was. According to family lore, one of my ancestors was going to evening service at church. Now, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's the same church that I now attend. Anyways, he was pulling a wagon at dusk when he got off to open the gate. He turned to see a headless woman sitting on the wagon seat. He led the horses through the gate, and then he shut the gate. When he looked back, the woman was gone. He went to church, and he came back in the dark. He got off to open the gate. The woman again was sitting on the seat. He once again led the wagon through. She was gone once they crossed through the gate. He came into the house white as a sheet. Local legend says that a woman fell off of a wagon and was beheaded in the early 1800s. A baby was also lost in a storm in this area. I've heard both of these stories my entire life. I never heard the baby, but I did see the woman. That story is from Kyle in Tennessee. You have been listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories Presents Eerie Encounters. If you have an eerie encounter that you would like read on the show, please send it to hillbillyhorrorstories at gmail.com.